You know, we want it to be clear here at the chapel that to be a follower of Jesus is to care for what he cares for, which is every tongue, tribe, people, and nation. And so it's our privilege as a little church here in Mandarin to participate in what God is doing all around the world. So grateful for those whom God has raised up from this body to go and grateful for those whom God has raised up from this body to send. Would you take your scriptures with me and open to Ephesians 1 as we return? We took a week off last week for the missions conference, but we're turning to Ephesians 1 this morning and our bless fest. Ephesians 1 verses 3 through 14 is our passage that we've been looking at. And because verse 3 says, bless God who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And we have been focusing on seven blessings that we've been blessed with that we would bless God because he's blessed us with these. We've remembered them by this simple word, carfish, because God has blessed us by choosing us and adopting us and redeeming us from futility, forgiving us of all of our trespasses, informing us of the future, sealing us with his spirit, and making us heirs with Christ. That's how God has blessed us. And actually more, but that's just from Ephesians 1. And the scripture says, and I hope you're not missing this, because he has blessed us, it ought to result, not obligatory, what would come out of us because of what he has poured into us is praise to him with thanksgiving in song and a life that wants to bless others as God has blessed us. And all those blessings are wrapped up in these two words, that we are in him. Uh, We've been, for this series, had this silly little jar up here with this silly little guy in it. But it's simply a reminder that you and I were born, not in Christ, but outside of Christ. Because of our sin, we were separated from God. But he chose us and adopted us, and redeemed us, forgave us, and has informed us, and sealed us as heirs in Christ. So that our entire life as now followers of Jesus are summed up in those two words, in him. This is what makes all the difference. If our life is in him or not in him. So the goal that we want to look at this morning is this, that in our current world, we looked at last week, 7.5 billion people on the planet, 3.2 billion are unreached. If you missed last week, what that simply means is this, they are not only lost in the sense that they have not placed faith in Christ, They don't know there is a Jesus to trust in. They've never heard of life in Christ. So it's not like people who work with you, who are down the street from you, who have heard of Jesus but not received him. It's they don't know there's a Jesus to believe in. That's the state of our current world. And it propels us to say, 
We want to have a more significant and increased global impact as a church. That's why we had the Ready Conference. That the next generation, and I want you to know as a church, we're asking the Lord, would you raise up 20 from our current junior high, senior high in college who would take the gospel where it's not yet gone? It's why we want to buy a boat. Not for staff. But a church that would say, we're going to buy a boat because the boat is the instrument by which the gospel will get where it's not yet gone. So that's the case of our current world. And that is significant to us because God has richly blessed us to the praise of his glory. That's what our passage in Ephesians 1 repeatedly says. To the praise of his glory. To the praise of his glory. And I just want us to acknowledge this is not to the praise of his glory. Correct? And so as a church who has been richly blessed by God, we not only want to give him praise, we want to be a blessing. Not just to one another, but to those who are currently unreached. So we genuinely encourage you to ask the Lord how you might participate in reaching the unreached. That's the current condition. But it's not what the future holds. The joy this morning for us to see is that we have been blessed to be informed about what the future is going to hold. And that is summed up where it says in Ephesians 1, the last few words in verse 8, in all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will. Now just pause right there. That's interesting. It's a mystery, but it's no longer a mystery. Why? Because he's made it known to us. So the mystery has been made known according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times. So this is going to be just a quick peek of the fullness of the times. That is the summing up of all things where? In Christ. So this is a picture of when we're going to look ahead, when the, all things are summed up in Christ. Things in the heavens and things on the earth. So the passage tells us the mysteries now history. There is a future administration coming. And that future administration will be the summing up of all things in Christ. Simple org chart coming in the future. Jesus ruling over everything in the heavens and Jesus ruling over everything on the earth. Pretty simple, yes? Now, is this current right now? In, in reality, no. What will be in the future Yes, everything in heaven, everything on earth will be in subjection to the authority of Jesus, to the glory of the Father. What's currently true is this. 
He is the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself, watch this, will come to have first place in everything. See, there is a reality that right now, Jesus is head of the church. He is the head of Christian Family Chapel. That is not just a throwaway statement. We genuinely believe, if this is your church, you need to know, we believe Jesus is the head of this church. That is why we fully, to the every ounce that we know, we submit to the word of God as our authority. Because Jesus is our head. As a plurality of elders, we seek to live and lead as under shepherds to the chief shepherd. Jesus is the head of Christian Family Chapel. And one day, because that is not true now, but one day, he'll not only be head of the church, but every tongue will confess him as Lord. Every tongue. One day, that's going to be true. We know that because the scripture says about Jesus in Philippians 2, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, watch, every knee will bow in heaven, and on earth, under the earth. And every tongue will confess Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Now let me be exceedingly clear. He is Lord now. But not every knee bows now. And not every tongue confesses now. But there will be a day where every tongue and every knee confesses he is the Lord. And that is what we have been blessed to be informed of, that, that all things are going to culminate in everything under Jesus. Does a vision, a picture of the future matter in the present? It really does. In silly ways, 10 years ago, 11 years ago, when the real estate market in Jacksonville was fairly depressed because of the crash, we went, oh, we might actually be able to find some water access. So we found a dump off of Julington Creek Road, and I mean a dump. In fact, after we went with the realtor, my wife said to him, I don't want you to show us any more ugly houses. And of course, he's thinking, Doug's the one that told us to come here. Don't show us any more ugly houses. And then she follows. And if you wouldn't show it to your wife, don't show it to me. So I thought, oh, I guess we're done looking at dumps with water access. 30 days later, no, no, 30 days later, I'm driving to South Carolina. My wife calls me, Doug, schedule another appointment at that house. You know, the ugly house that you said don't ever show you again? Yes. What happened? I have a vision <laughs> of not what it was, but what it could be. This morning is really about saying, we live in a broken world. There's a lot of pain, yes? There's a lot of brokenness. 
but we are informed. I want to give you a vision of what will be because sometimes in our current, we need a vision for what will be. And what will be is that all the tongues that are currently blaspheming Jesus and rejecting Jesus and mocking Jesus will confess with a bowed knee. We were wrong. You were right. We worship you. You need that sometimes. So this is what we've been informed. Uh, So we're going to look by moving from Ephesians 1 to the end of the Bible to the installment of the summing up of all things in Christ. So I want to invite you to turn with me from Ephesians 1 to Revelation 19. Now some of you are like, sweet, this is what I always like, go to Revelation. And others are like, oh my, there's come all sorts of confusion here. So what we're going to do this morning is answer every question you've ever... No, we're not going to do that because I I can't do that. What we're going to do is we're going to look at Revelation 19, 20, 21, 22 and help us see the installation of Jesus as the King of kings and the Lord of lords over everything on earth and over everything in heaven. And there'll be some details that will make us scratch our head along the way, but we're not going to allow the confusing details to cloud our vision for what is clearly going to take place. So, uh, I'm going to tell you what it's going to say, and then we're going to see it say it. So, the installment of the coming administration, according to Revelation 19, begins with the return of Jesus to earth with his saints. And this is, I think you'll agree with me, is what the scripture clearly says is going to happen. Jesus is going to return to the earth with his saints. Revelation 19, start in verse 11. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he sat on it, is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness, he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. So, who are we talking about here? It gets clear. Verse 13. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. See, this is, if you're not sure who we're talking about here, this in verse 13 is clear. We're talking about Jesus, because this is the revelation given to John who opened his gospel in this way. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And who is it will return on a white horse with a robe dipped in blood? The word of God. We are speaking of Jesus returning. And it goes on to say, And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. I don't believe these are angelic armies. These are the saints 
who have been washed, forgiven, redeemed, and heirs who are returning with him. Following him on white horses, from his mouth comes a sharp sword so that with it he may strike down the nations and he will rule them with a rod of iron and he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So this is phase one, step one of the installment of the supremacy of Jesus over all things in heaven and on earth, Ephesians 1 speaks about. When he returns, then he will bind Satan. Then I saw an angel, chapter 20, verse 1. We're just following through here. Saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding the key of the abyss and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. So he goes out of his way to make sure we're talking about, we know that the devil, Satan, is going to be bound. And he threw him into the abyss and shut it and sealed it over him so that he would not deceive the nations any longer, which means what is he doing until then? Deceiving the nations. He is the father of lies. He is the one who perpetrates the lies against the king of kings and lord of lords. He will be bound until the thousand years were completed. After he is bound, then... Jesus will establish a thousand-year reign on the current earth. He returns, binds Satan, and our world is changed. Not this earthly world, but the makeup of the world is changed because the deceiver can no longer deceive. And he establishes a thousand-year reign on earth. Verse 4 continues, And I saw a throne. Then I saw thrones and they sat on them and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded. Why? Because of their testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God. And those who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received the mark on their forehead and on their hand. And they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were completed. This is the first resurrection. So we have phase one, Jesus returning, binding Satan, and establishing a thousand year. And yes, we do believe it is a literal thousand year reign. On the earth, which then leads to phase two, where Satan is then, after a thousand years, released to again deceive the nations. We stopped in verse six, pick it up in verse seven. When the thousand years are completed, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather together for what? 
the war, not a war, the war of all wars, the end war, the war, the number of them who he gathers is like the sand of the seashore. What happens? Verse 9, and they came up on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. Don't, don't, don't forget that, remember we looked in Ephesians 1, what is our family name? We are the Beloved, those of us who are in Christ, with him, ruling with him for a thousand years. Surrounded, but not defeated. Instead, fire came down from heaven and devoured them. Not the camp of the saints, but those that Satan had gathered from the four corners of the earth. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are also and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So phase one is the return, the binding and the establishing of the thousand kingdom, thousand year kingdom. Phase two is then the releasing of Satan in order that then he is fully and finally defeated and cast into the lake of fire. What are we talking about? Big picture again. We're talking about the king of kings and lord of lords being installed in his rightful place. And this is the defeating of those who have not acknowledged his lordship. Phase three. All that who are not in Christ will be judged according to their works. All who are not in Christ are going to be judged according to their works. Let me read it for us. Chapter 20, verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne. Remember, this is just after what had happened with Satan, finally fully defeated, cast into the lake of fire. Then I saw a great white throne. And him who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne. And books, plural, books were opened. And another book, singular, was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their Deeds, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. So we have, in this picture in Revelation 20, books and a book. This, Revelation 20, is referred to as the book of life. What's recorded in the books? The deeds. And those who have not reigned with Christ, who do not belong to Christ, whose names are not written in the book of life, will be judged according to what they did. All their works judged 
And this is significant because when you and I are judged, it's going to be according to either what we have done, our deeds, or what has been done for us, what Jesus has done on our behalf that we might have eternal life. And if we're judged according to our deeds, notice, we'll be condemned. If we are counting on the fact that when life is over, God will look at our deeds and judge us to them, according to them, then we know this, that we will be condemned to eternal torment in the lake of fire. This is what it says very specifically in Revelation 20, verse 14 and 15. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. Now, why is it the second death? Because this is all of those who have experienced the first death, the physical death. And now this is a second death of those who were judged according to the books, their deeds. This is the second death. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book singular, he was thrown in to the lake of fire. We'll see why in a moment why this, our deeds, will always result in being condemned. And while this book will always result in life. Eternal life, second death. That is phase three. Phase four. Then, this is how chapter 21 in the last two chapters capture the picture for all those who are in Christ. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth passed away. What had happened to it? Scripture tells us consumed and destroyed by fire. And there is no longer any sea. And I saw the whole sit, holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God, the presence of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. Now, pause here for just a moment. Don't miss that what, what verse 3 says three times is that which will make the new heaven and the new earth, that which we look forward to, that which will make it heaven is this, that God will be among them. His people God himself among them. And he will, among us, wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will no longer be any death. Mourning, crying, pain. 
Why? Because they're part of old life. Done. Do you understand? I, I think that is so far from our comprehension that we, we can't get it. Because our lives are always impacted by the reality of death. In this life, we cannot interpret life in any way other than the reality of death. As much as we try to avoid it and deny it, nobody wants to grow old. But friends, one out of one die. Some younger, some older. It's sobering. You and I, we don't know how to understand life apart from death. And the picture that scripture gives us is there will be new life on a new heaven, on a new earth, where death will no longer impact life. Life will genuinely be eternal. And the things that make life hard now, our mourning and our pain, gone. Those things passed away, and he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things, all things new. And I love this. And he said, write, write it, for these words are faithful and true. See, the blessing of being informed is that you and I can look at the condition of our current world and the way that my wife looks at the condition of that current house and we can go, it's not always going to be this way. There will be a time where everything that makes life hard now is passed away and there'll be a new heaven and a new earth with a new life that will never, ever, ever, ever end. And if that was a life filled with pain and mourning and crying, that'd be terrible. <laughs> but none of that will be true anymore. No more cancer, no more disability, no more memory loss, no more fear of all of those things that you and I go, it's going to be part of our future. You see, I'm, I'm old enough at this place where when you're young, you think, ah. And then you get to this stage where mid-50s and you're like, that, that's going to be us someday. Right? Yeah. Don't let that depress you. Let it make you hungry for heaven. Hungry for the fact that, that all of these things 
are gone away. And we have the confidence, the promise of a brand new future where all who are in Christ will live forever and the life will be perfect because it will be in a new heaven and a new earth forever with the Lord. And quite frankly, you should add that. I should have added it. In a new heaven and a new earth with the Lord. No more stain of sin. No more groaning from a creation stained by sin. A brand new. Let me tell you how blessed we are to in this current life know what the future holds. See, if you lost track in all the details, we're talking about the blessing of being informed. Is it good to be able to know the end game? Is it good to be able to know how it's all gonna pan out? Yes, so good. It is a huge blessing to be informed, to know, to not go, I just don't know how this is gonna ever work out. Because apart from this, you and I couldn't help but think, man, we're in a downward spiral. This is just gonna end ugly. And it's not. It's gonna end perfectly to the glory of the Father. So what is the blessing? This is not complicated. The blessing of being informed is first, uh, we can know that we can have eternal life through faith in Jesus. We can know, know, like know for sure, absolutely certain that though this tent, that's what the Bible calls this body, this tent's gonna fall down we're going to have a new body with the Lord. New body, new heaven, new earth forever. We can be certain of eternal life through faith, and this is important, through faith in Jesus Christ. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 5 in your Bibles. A couple books before the last book, Revelation. 1 John chapter 5. Here's how we can be certain, sure of eternal life through faith in Christ. Verse 10 of 1 John 5. The one who believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. The one who does not believe, God has made him, the one who does not believe God has made him, God, a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has given concerning his son. Now, don't, don't get confused by that. Simply saying this, God has declared God in himself has made a testimony about his son. If you don't believe it, what's it say? You're calling God a liar. Here's the testimony. 
The testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. He who has the son has the life. He who does not have the son of God does not have the life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. That you may know, be certain, be sure that life is in the Son. Can I take you back to the books and the book? Those who are judged according to their works says condemned to eternal torment in the lake of fire. Those in the book of life live forever with him in heaven. Why? Because our works, no matter how hard we try, no matter how good we seek to live, will always fall short of the perfection of God. And we will therefore be determined guilty. The only way that we can ever be made right with a perfect and holy God is in the Son. It's only through Jesus. Now, don't miss this. It's not Jesus and what I do. It's Jesus. Jackie and I had a couple of houses ago, an elderly lady has one of our neighbors, a sweet older lady, made phenomenal sandwiches where I learned to put cilantro on my sandwich. And I would have Friday lunch with, with Maria. She had grown up in a stream of faith that she would say, Doug, I want to go to heaven. She was from Guatemala. But I don't know. I just don't know. She had this largest Bible I'd ever seen of a coffee table Bible. It was like, I opened it up and I read to her 1 John 5 from her Bible. See, Maria, if you have the Son, you've got life. If you don't have the Son, you don't have life. But she was so ingrained. No matter how many times we read it, no matter how many times I told her, she'd say, but I, yes, I, I believe Jesus, but I don't know if I've done enough. She thought it was Jesus and her going to church and her going to confession and her taking of the elements, all required. She lived with this 80 years old and no certainty 
that she had life. And it was simply because she could not embrace if you have the son. No matter what's written in here, if you have the son, you have life. We live in a world that we think, ah, Jesus can't be enough. Oh, most of no, no, lots of folks believe in Jesus. They just believe it's Jesus and then what you do. And if I can paint the picture in your mind, if we are before the Lord and any of our works come out, we won't be, we won't be saved. See, it's either Jesus and Jesus alone or it's some of my works or all of my works and my works will always condemn me. See, my, what broke my heart for my friend was not that her works wouldn't be good enough. It was the reality that she said, I don't know. And I knew that if she was trusting in her works, what the outcome would be. It's Jesus alone. And anything else, God says, makes me a liar. Write it down. It's Jesus alone. You can know that it is by Jesus and what he has done to pay your penalty that you can be saved. Not what he's done plus the good things that you'll try and do plus the bad things that you'll stop trying to do that somehow between you and Jesus, you're gonna make it. It's only Jesus. That's the blessing. But it doesn't stop there. The second blessing of being informed is that we get to be the instruments of other people hearing and knowing that we get to be the people who sit with our neighbors and say, hey, it's not your works. It's not about how bad you've been. It's not about how good you're trying to be. It, 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 we get to be the instruments that speak to our neighbors. We get to be the instruments that speak to our coworkers. We get to be the instruments that share with our family. It's not about what we do. It's about what has been done for us in Jesus. And I want us to understand that that privilege of being God's instrument is that. It's not a burden. Sometimes we get lost in this thought of, oh, I feel so bad. It's a burden. I know I should. And maybe even I know I should share. I know I don't. I'm terrible. It's not a burden. It's a blessing. That's why you see it. That you being able to share with your coworkers, your neighbors, 
your family. Man, God, thank you that, that I get to share in communicating the truth of salvation. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things passed away. Old, new things have come. All these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. See, all these things, these new things from God, forgiveness, redemption, adoption, information, heirs, seal, all those things from God. And what comes with it? An incredible privilege of being a minister of reconciliation, a, a one who gets to share with him that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the, the word See, it's the word. It's not my responsibility to convert my neighbor. I just had the privilege. And it, if you sense my sadness, it's because she didn't receive it. But wow, I'd be a pile if it was up to me. It was just privilege to be able to be your neighbor to eat soup and sandwiches with her and show her she could know. Not to persuade her. That's the Holy Spirit. That's God's work. Salvation belongs to our God. It's his to give. It's a gift. I don't get to give the gift. It's not mine to give. It's mine to say is available. It's his to give. We are ambassadors of Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. What an incredible privilege. God making an appeal through me to you right now. Be reconciled to God. That's my, that's my privilege to right now, to every one of you listening. God making his appeal through me to you. Don't trust in yourself. Don't trust in your morality. Don't think your past is too bad. Believe that all things are going to be summed up in Jesus. And the way you have eternal life is that you now in this life bow your knee and confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. He's the one that saves. If you refuse to do this in this life, you will. But it will be to eternal condemnation. I would beg you. God appealing through me to you. You know right now, if God is appealing to you right now, be reconciled to God. And if you are reconciled, there's people in your family, there's people on your street, there's people at your work who you have the privilege not to convert, 
but to tell. To invite to Alpha on Thursday night and say, come ask your questions. To open a Bible with them. Like I did and just go, hey, here it says, here's what it says. You don't have to know all the answers. I don't know all the answers. Just here's what it says. It says, either life is in his son or God's a liar. And she would go, God is not a liar, duck. He's not. He begs you. He appeals to you. Be reconciled. When we in a service, pause to take the Lord's Supper. If you're here on campus, you got one of these. If you don't have one, don't be hesitant to raise your hand and let our ushers know if you'd like one, need one. One right over here. Thanks. One right up here. Thanks. Why do we do this? Why do we take what's a piece of wafer of unleaven? That's what's under the clear seal. If you take the aluminum foil off the top then, why do we take this wafer and this juice? Because it reminds us of Jesus. That it's Jesus alone by which we are saved. That this reminds us that he gives us life. Now let me be clear. We're not saved because we take this. These are the reminders of the person, the only one who can save us. Because he lived a perfect life. None of us have. We're guilty. He was innocent, and as the innocent one, he took my punishment and your punishment so that if you would believe in him, you would have everlasting life. So before we take, let me invite you to bow with me. If you have never trusted in Jesus alone, Maybe you are like my neighbor and you think it's been up to your good works. You've lived in fear that you've not been good enough. I want to settle it for you. You haven't. You've not been good enough. You can't be good enough. You'll never be good enough. That's why Jesus died on a cross to pay the penalty for your sin. Would you right now admit your sin and believe in Jesus alone and receive the gift of eternal life with the elements in our hand let's before we take let's worship Let's remember Jesus.